here comes the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. What is going on? Welcome to Gambling with Gold. My name is Jesse Gold. This is Steffi Smalls. We are here after a wild NFL trade deadline that saw 10 deals get done. We've talked about some of them already on our social channels, but I'm excited to talk about all the rest of them and how they relate to the gambling slate for NFL Week 9. Steph, how you doing? You hold up after all this crazy news today? What a crazy day. As much as I love the chaos, like, I didn't expect this much chaos. I'm very excited. Some really interesting moves, especially from some of these, like, top teams here. So, going to be an interesting rest of the season. It was absolutely chaos today. I enjoyed it. I actually love the cast. There's nothing better than a good trade deadline. This is the best I've ever seen in the NFL. Let me ask you this question before we hop into the NFL week nine slate. What do you think was the most impactful move that was made today? Probably the Dolphins. Um, I think that they made a point to say we're in win now mode and we are going to try to keep up with the rest of you guys because I think they've been somewhat not, I don't want to say disappointing, but I think you can see their flaws. And I think that they went out and they were like, here we go. Um, we're going to add to our defense and and prove a point that we can compete with the rest of you guys. So I really like what the Dolphins did. Um, the rest of the moves, just all in all interesting. The Miami one's interesting. And I know that everybody put up the stat that said, you know, they traded Trey Lance and basically got back Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Bradley Chubb. That's not necessarily fair or a one-for-one right. deal, but still the idea that they turned those three assets and some other stuff into three really impactful players. I'm interested to see what Bradley Chubb can do with Jalen Phillips on the other side. That defense is sorely lacking for a pass rush. Last in the league, I believe, in sacks, they only have 15 on the year. The defense is definitely a little bit leaky. I love to see what they can do with Bradley Chubb in the mix there. And you know what? they got to keep up with the Buffalo Bills in that division. No better way to do it than bringing in an absolute star at the D-line or linebacker, whatever position he's going to play there. I think it'll be interesting and great for the Dolphins. I'm torn between that move and the Hawkinson move. The Hawkinson move long-term feels like it could be really good. These tight ends, he's in year four. A tight end like him probably doesn't hit his prime until, you know, year five, six, seven. That's when you see the guy. Gronk is a little bit different, but you saw Kelsey. Kelsey didn't really break out until he was yeah. a little bit older. Um, and I think that he could have an absolute star turn for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I'm sure that I know that you know a lot of people that are Vikings fans, too. I'm sure that everybody yeah. is completely ecstatic. Honestly, that one came out first, which I think I – I think we can all say that that was maybe the most shocking move. Absolutely. We knew the we knew the pieces that we saw the rest of the day, they were going to happen. It just depended on where they were going to go, who was going to give them the most for those acquisitions. But I think that for the for Minnesota, this is a statement move that they're also in it to win it. They know that they need a blocking tight end who and you know, you don't have to pay him right away. And they finally can get a guy. I think that Hawkinson was really held back by the Lions and the system that he was in. And now the Vikings have really been missing that piece since Kyle Rudolph, who kind of was their their tight end for such a long time that they relied on. And now you get Hawkinson in there. And you, I don't think we've seen Hawkinson at his – he's not even reached his prime and his potential and his ceiling. That's coming. And I think that the Vikings can absolutely pull that out of him. 
I mean, talk about a guy that needs a safety blanket worse than anyone else in the world yeah. when he's a when he's got you know pressure on him. Kirk Cousins is going to absolutely love the idea. T.J. Hawkinson's always going to be there, eight, ten yards down the field in case you need him as your second or third read. I think that it's going to work out really, really well for them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a little surprised that the Lions were willing to do something in the division. They do get a second and third. They are a rebuilding team. They're probably not going anywhere with Hawkinson anyways. Uh, just a very interesting deal overall, and I'm super excited to see how it plays out. I don't think that Hawkins is going to be able to make a super impact right away, at least on the receiving end. But we get, you know, week 14, 15, 16, I think that he's going to be able to do some real yeah. damage for the he's Minnesota He's going to make an Vikings. impact when it matters. Like that, yeah. and that's the whole thing. You bring him in at the right time. You can ease him in because you're still winning games and you're doing enough to get the win. And then you can have Hawkinson be an impact player when it really matters most at the end of this and then off into the playoffs. So uh, very interesting for the Vikings. All right. Before we head into NFL week nine, one more question for you. Who do you think is the biggest loser from the NFL trade deadline? Daniel Jones. Uh, no, that's not <laughs> fair. I, I don't, I don't like the bears move. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I want to like the bears move and I have seen both sides of it. I just think you look at, I can't get over the fact that Miami gave up right their first round pick because they didn't have an option here. Um, so that means there's only 31 first. You gave up your first second round pick, which would have ended up being a very high pick for Clay. I, like, I don't know. Is that really like, was Claypool worth a second round pick? I guess we'll find out. I just don't know if that's exactly the move I would have made there. It, it depends on who you ask around the league. I, I totally understand. It sounds like based on, his production the last year and a half, giving up a second round pick for Claypool seems like an unmitigated disaster. However, yeah. if we consider what he did in his rookie year, in the first year where he had an yeah. actual functioning quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, and he was, you know, we all thought that he was going to be the next great star Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver. He was, you know, 10 touchdowns, 850 receiving yards, something like that. He was absolutely electric, big body, something that Justin Fields need. And I, I got to say, after the last two weeks of watching the, the Chicago Bears, I think that they have something with Justin Fields. I'm super excited about it. And we'll talk about it when we get to the Miami-Chicago game this week. But Luke Getze has that thing rolling. I like that Justin Fields is getting 10 of these design runs a game. You get him someone that can stretch the field, go up and make a play for him if he's in trouble. Claypool, Claypool could be a real star there. I'm interested to see. I do think it's a little bit of an overpay. But if you consider the fact that you basically got an extra year converting it from Roquan over to Claypool, it's a little bit more understandable to me. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll talk about when we get that to that game. I guess, like, as a Giants fan, I know, and I hate when people say that, but I just know when an O-line stinks, I don't really yep. care who you bring in. Like, I, I'm, I'm struggling with Chicago, like, where people keep talking about development. And, again, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut till uh, we get there. But O-line matters, and uh, especially for a quarterback that is young and still developing and doesn't have weapons. So, Claypool is great in the concept and I love it. And I love Claypool and he needs a new, you know, gets that change of scenery. I think he's needed. I'm not going to base off his rookie year though. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, speaking of the Chicago bears, if you want to win a Justin Fields signed Jersey, text us at 310-564-7176 with the code fields day. And you will be automatically entered into winning a Justin Fields signed Chicago bears Jersey. We will be announcing the winner of that jersey after Thursday Night Football at Champions Round on Instagram when we go live for our post-game after-hours show. 
super excited to talk about that game, even though it might be a disaster. Let's start off there. Thursday night football, Philadelphia Eagles currently minus 14 at the Houston Texans. Absolutely unbelievable line. And I can't say that it's not justified based on the way that the Texans have played over the past two weeks. The total is currently set at 45. What is your read on this game? I've trusted Houston to cover too much in the past for me to do it again this week. I'm not doing it. I am not going to bite into it. I think that a lot of this also comes down to Mills, and I think he keeps throwing these interceptions, and he's not progressing the way that we expect him to. That I I put a little bit of faith in him. I thought he didn't look too bad towards the tail end of last season, and I thought that they were going to be able to do more. I think that Philadelphia, who is – you look at – they're one of the best – like rushing teams in the entire league six most rushing yards and houston allowed 314 freaking yards on the ground to tennessee last week i think that philadelphia is going to eat against this team uh normally i'm always on the side where this is too many points this late in the season but when we're dealing with you know a season that there's such a big discrepancy between the good teams and the bad teams the Eagles are a good team. Houston's a bad team. 14's a lot, but I don't know how you don't take it here. 84% of the money and 89% or sorry, 84% of the bets, 89% of the money is on the Philadelphia Eagles in this spot. And I'm fully with you based on the way that Houston has played the last two weeks against the rush. Derrick Henry absolutely going off and the week before Josh Jacobs absolutely going off. How do you say this Philadelphia Eagles team that's run first and the best team in the NFL in the first half doesn't absolutely jump on the Houston Texans in this game? I, I think that probably the best way to play this is just keep rolling with Eagles first half. It has not failed really this season at all. Maybe the Texans are capable of getting a backdoor cover here. The Eagles might only play their guys for three quarters. Wouldn't be surprised. Just like last week, saw Gardner Minshew get in there at the end of the game against the Steelers. I would not be surprised to see that happen again. Eagles first half, give it to me. I'm just going to take it blindly until it loses. I don't know if there's any way that Houston can be really productive in this game. And last week, Joey and I on the Friday show, we went 8-1 and on our best bets. The only game we both lost, and we were both on the Houston Texas plus 2.5. I think, as you would say, they're on the no bet list from now on, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that, again, you're going to start seeing – you have to start switching your mindset towards now we're creeping on to the next half of this season where now these competitive teams want to keep their guys healthy. And you saw that even, you know, in the bills game, you could see them not competing as yep. hard. And that's why green Bay was able to get that cover. So could you see a backdoor cover here? Absolutely. I could definitely see that happening. I guess it depends on how much Mills messes up. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the Sunday slate for NFL Week 9. First game that I want to talk about, the Buffalo Bills, second biggest spread on the board this week. Minus 13 against the New York Jets, total set at 47. Currently looking at 55% of the bets and 43% of the money is on the Buffalo Bills in this position. The look-ahead line was Bills minus 7. I know that Zach Wilson looked horrific last week. He looked so bad. And I know the Jets are still dealing with the injury situation. And I know the Bills are the Bills. 13 points for a divisional dog. I'm sorry. I got to be on the Jets here, and I hate it. It's gross, but I got to do it. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, you look at, like, like I just said, you know, the Bills are not worried about covering. These teams are not worried about covering for you. They scored three points 
in the second half and they still won that game. They can do something very similar here. The Bills are in their own realm. They don't even, at this point, they could barely try and they can still go to the Super Bowl is what it's looking like. And holy fuck, did Zach Wilson look bad. I rewatched that game. I wasn't able to see it, you know, in real time. And he did. He looked horrible. A lot of that, you know, they traded for Robinson with Brees going down. And I think that that took away a lot of what they were able to do on the ground, made them use Wilson more. So he was, he had more time and opportunity to make mistakes through the air. That's too many points. Can't do it. Not in division. I'm with you here. Um, 47 and a half. Again, the bills say, I don't know how I feel about the total here. Um, Probably lean towards the under. I think that part of it has yeah, to do with the I fact agree. that I think that, you, right, you're saying the second half, Bills might not try. They might be up a lot. Bills first half against the Jets, maybe I want to do that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I think that I'm just going to be on the Jets with that plus 13 number. Not going to touch the total in this game. Zach Wilson's got to get his head out of his ass or else he's going to be out of New York really, really quickly. And there is some turmoil in that locker room with the Elijah, uh, Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Moore situation. Um It'd be interesting to see what happens to the Jets, who are still 5-3, and three, still really competitive in this division, can still get some things done. I like the Jets' defense. I think that they'll be able to slow down the Bills a little bit in this game, enough to get a backdoor cover at plus 13. All right, next game on the board. We'll talk about that Bears game. Miami minus 5 at the Chicago Bears. Total set at 45.5. The number opened at 3. 58% of the bets and 85% of the money is on the Dolphins. I bet the Chicago Bears win this touch 6. Five right now. I'm not sure that I will touch it again. I just think that Chicago has really shown some life on offense, even though their offensive line has still kind of looked like crap. Their defense got absolutely torched by the Cowboys last week. Not surprising to me with Pollard in uh, the backfield. But uh, Miami back-to-back road games, I don't know, outside, kind of a tough situation. I like the Bears a little bit in this game. Again, at plus six, I'm not sure I would do anything at five. Yeah, and this is where you also have to look at it like – was Miami having success just independent because they're Miami and they have all these weapons or are they having success because Detroit's defense quite literally ranks last in nearly every possible category you can bring up. I don't know here. I, I actually lean towards taking Chicago for this game. I get that Miami just made these moves and that's fine. I also on the cyber. I'm like, Claypool is cool, but come on. That's yeah. Like, Fields is taking so many sacks, and I, I struggle with that. There's a weather narrative that you can bring into it. But, again, I think that Chicago could possibly cover this game. I think that Fields is showing the progression that you want out of a guy that's – it's hard to stop Fields. So Miami is going to have to stop him and his legs, and Chicago's doing just enough to make me feel like they can cover this game. I would not be surprised at all if the Chicago Bears were able to win this game outright. Yeah. I think that a lot of things in this situation come out really, really bright for the Chicago Bears when analyzing this matchup. And I also think Miami's defense, look, Bradley Chubb, we talked about it, he's going to be great. He ain't going to fix anything in this first week, let alone if he even gets on the field yeah. for more than 20 or 30 snaps. And this Miami defense is still in a little world of hurt. They still just gave up 27 points to the Lions, and we're down 14 nothing in that game very quickly and 21-7 until they got back in it. I think it could be an issue for them. I think that Chicago comes out, covers the plus six for sure. I'm talking myself more to plus five, and I'm going to play a little bit, a little sprinkle on that money line for Chicago, which right now is at DraftKings plus 185. Um, all right, let's get to Minnesota Vikings minus three and a half 
at the Washington Commanders. Total set at 43 and a half. This one, Heineke season, doesn't quit two in a row. What do you think about these Washington Commanders? All of a sudden, four and four. Shocking. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I just like don't really care. I, I think that Minnesota, <laughs> that's my best, my analysis is I don't really care. No, <laughs> here's the thing. Like we've got two, in quotations, winning teams. I think putting Washington aside, Minnesota is still like, they're pending this dominating performance or to just take a massive regression, which I just don't think they're going to do that. I think that Dalvin Cook look awesome against a top 10 Rundy. Uh, and I think that it's hard for me to say Minnesota is not going to win this game because they've proven. And what they didn't do last year is that they weren't able to finish games and they're doing that this year. So uh, Washington is just the weaker team here. I'm, I'm not going to take them t- to cover this. I can't do it. I like this number to go over. I think though. The number does seem really low. Uh, which is a bit conspicuous because obviously my first reaction to 43 and a half in a Vikings game is also the over. But usually when it's that clear to me, I think that I need to go reevaluate. And looking at the numbers right now per action network, 71% of the bets and 47% of the money is on the over. The number is mm-hmm. driving down a lot of the value, a lot of the sharp money is coming in on the under. So per that, it will be a stay away from me. It's one of those where it's, it's just a little too obvious to take the over Take a step back, reevaluate. Uh, I don't know if I'll be on the under, but probably not worth throwing on the over just yet. I have a question about this game. Not really related to what's going on, but something outside. Kirk Cousins' revenge game? Yeah, come on. Is it gonna is it gonna have another rush TD? How freaking awesome was that? I think this is a really nice place, and I guess I hate that I've kind of been saying this. Like, this is a really nice place for the Vikings to just like get into playoff form, get Justin Jefferson involved. Their defense is finally starting to slowly put it together. Heineke is still Heineke. The commanders are still the commanders. I think that they can do it here. I I just think this is the game. Like, just totally take over. I'm sick of this Vikings just barely sneaking by with a win. You have everything you need. Your defense is a little bit weaker, yes, but you're proving to be able to overcome that. So, just dominate once. I just want to see the Vikings dominate once. So the Vikings have won five straight games. They've won them all by one possession. Last oh, year, they, no. were the, they were the worst team in the NFL in one-score games. Right now, they're the best team in the NFL in one-score games. So the regression from year to year makes sense. But now we have to talk about the regression within the year. Are they going to be able to keep sneaking out these one-score games? Or, like you said, Do they put it on the commanders? Are they able to get a 10, 14, 20 point lead in this game? I don't know. I know that the regression is going to come at some point for the Vikings. I'm not sure it's going to come this week. Uh, I'm just going to pass on this game. My lean would be just, I guess, towards taking the under if you can get it at 44 based on the numbers, but that's kind of it right now on this Tuesday. All right. Green Bay Packers minus three and a half at the Detroit Lions. Total set at 50. Packers. Lions started at three, now three and a half. Again, I should have talked about this earlier, but my biggest loser of the NFL trade deadline, if you're the Packers, how in the fuck do you not make a move for any wide receiver? Literally anything would be helpful at this point. How do you not give Aaron Rodgers something to work with in this position? You are running trash out onto the field. I don't – I – I don't, also, the price for receivers seems to have gone up outside of the exception of like Amari Cooper, who looks like a freaking goddamn steal at this point. I just, 
I don't know what Green Bay wants. I don't know what their plan is. Green Bay is not a good football team right now. I don't care what they're – they're not a good football team. You can pick and choose who you want to blame that on. I like this to- – what is the total at now? It's moved, huh? I think I got it's, it lower. It's at 50. Yeah, I think I got it just slightly lower than that. I don't know. I. It's a good – again, how many times are we going to say this is a good get-right game? This is a good – no, like the get-right game was two games ago. Like what are you doing? They just – they stink. I can't take it anymore. Both these teams have bad run Ds. It's a great spot for DeAndre Swift to get more involved. I'm going to be looking at his props here. Um, I don't have a lot of reaction on this game. I like the over. I don't. Can I keep betting on Rodgers? Historically, yes, he owns the Lions, but it's gross. This isn't your mama's Rodgers. <laughs> this is, like, disgusting. Also, we're, we're at the point where the Lions are like, okay, Dan Campbell might be on his way out. These might end up being kitchen sink games. And the Lions at home, traditionally, at least under Campbell, super feisty. And I don't like the Green Bay Packers. Defense, what they're bringing to the table. The offense, I mean, are they really going to get going? Are we really going to see an over here? Yeah, that's probably the play. But have we seen anything out of the Packers offense to make me think that they can be in a game that's an overplay? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I like every single rushing prop that you can find in this game. Like that, I adore. They're, I think they're both one spot behind each other between like 30th and 31st. Maybe it's 29th and 30th, I forget. But still, like neither of these teams, the Lions too, like they have done nothing to prove that they are any different of a team than last year. They cannot finish games. All they do is stay in games. I don't know. I don't know here. I don't like this game. I, this is going to be one game that I monitor, look at the numbers, and if it ends up looking worth it, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, divi- divisional dog with everything on the line sounds a lot like the Browns last night. They came out in a smash spot. Maybe this is the Lions smash spot. I don't want to really bet on or against Green Bay at this point until I either get more information yeah. or are comfortable making a call on what this team really is supposed to be. Um, all right, let's go to my favorite matchup of the week. Go Ducks. This is a matchup between Justin Herbert and Marcus Mariota. Basically my dream. No one else is going to watch this, but this guy is. That's all I care about. Chargers minus three at the Atlanta Falcons. Total set at 49 and a half. That number on the over is egregiously high for this Chargers team, especially off of a bye. I don't think they're going to be able to do that much offensively. Under 49 and a half. That'll be a smash for me. A lot of money, surprisingly, actually, is coming in on the Chargers minus three in this game. Maybe it's because of the buy factor. Maybe it's because the Falcons actually should have lost to the Panthers last week. Um, but, you know, what's surprising here. Atlanta's run game, obviously, is their strength. And the Chargers, traditionally, one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. So it's a little surprising to me that there's so much sharp money coming in on the Chargers here. Maybe they know something that I do not. I will probably follow their lead here and be on the Chargers minus three. But 56% of the bets and 87% of the money, plus 31, biggest on the board, is favoring the Chargers in this spot. And if you want to bet the Chargers, I think this number is going to jump from three to three and a half. So if you like them, go bet them now. I don't like them. And I'm not going to like them. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care the Sharps say. I don't like it. I think that Atlanta is continuing continuously. They're just – they're frisky. And, and they're three and one straight up at home. And – Three and, th- three and three and one score games. I don't know what the Chargers have proven to me that they can be dominant in this game. There's really nothing about it that makes it – maybe Herbert's stats on the road, uh, you know, like after I, – I don't know, though. And everything about the Chargers is a stay away from me. 
I can't do it. They, they're another team that does not look good. So I, I'm leaving Atlanta here. Fair, I mean, fair enough. I, I get it. I just, I'm following the numbers here and it says I have the bet yeah. on the Chargers. And I, this is my one anti number game. I can't do it. I think Atlanta also had some injuries in their secondary. So, depending on how healthy they are, that might lean me another way. But Atlanta's figuring it out and they're obnoxious, actually, is what they are. And they're a pest. And I, I don't know. These Chargers are, your Chargers are something else. They are definitely something else. They also have no healthy players at all. And even their yeah. quarterback. Is dealing with broken ribs still. Um, I will say, if you want to bet that under along with me, 49 and a half, I'm going to wait because I just checked the numbers on Action Network for the over-under. 91% of the bets, not sorry, 91% of the bets, 98% of the money is coming in on the over in this game. So I think that this number is going to keep going up and up and up. If it hits 51, that's my stash spot. If it gets to 51, yeah. I will hammer the under in this game. All right, let's get to another Kind of a weird game. Carolina Panthers plus seven and a half at the Cincinnati Bengals. Total set at 42 and a half. P.J. Walker uncorked one of the greatest throws in NFL history to D.J. Moore, and then they still somehow lost the game. I don't agree with that rule for D.J. Moore. He should be able to celebrate however the hell he wants to, but the outcome was they lost. They went from first place to fourth place in the NFC South. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Bengals, oh boy, did they get their ass kicked on Monday Night Football. They did not look like the same team without Jamar Chase. I really don't know what happened. It might have just been a sleepy spot. I was on the Browns personally. I understood their desperation to go get that win. But the Bengals had looked so supremely good in the prior two weeks. For them to come out that flat after having eight days to prepare for that game was borderline shocking to me. What did you think about that game? And what do you think about the Bengals minus seven and a half this weekend? I I promise you I'm not taking the Bengals seven and a half. That's just absurd. I got an eight and a half on Carolina, and I love that. I think that Cincinnati is, unlike last year where maybe they found some luck within this O-line that they were able to kind of overcome, like, I don't care. Burrow is not finding find his flow. It's not happening. The O-line is proving to be a problem with or without. He has plenty of weapons. You know, it's funny. You look at – Aaron Rodgers and some of these other guys that complain about their wide. He has two beautiful options for wide receivers. You have Boyd and Higgins. There is so many franchises that would love to have either of those guys as their wide receiver one. Not an excuse to me. I don't care that Jamar Chase is there. He should be winning. I think that Cincinnati probably ends up winning this. I don't know, though. I It's really hard for me. I think that Carolina is now a little bit frisky with also without rule there. So what... I like my eight and a half that I have in Carolina. Yeah. I'll probably stick with that. I think that this game could probably go over. Um, but Cincinnati, another team, not doing enough for me for me to be confident in giving betting on them. I think that the Bengals moving them from seven and a half to one and a half as a teaser piece is probably relatively safe. Yeah. I don't think that the Panthers are going to be able to walk into Cincinnati and get a win in this position. But I agree with you that. Anything number over seven, I think the Panthers are probably in play here. Um, I probably will not want to get in front of that. However, that being said, 47% of the bets and 63% of the money is coming in on the Bengals at this spot. So I would not be surprised to see this number hop back up to eight. So if you want to Mm -hmm. bet on that teaser piece with the Bengals, I would suggest that you go find another leg and go bet that right now. Uh, All right, let's get to Sam Ellinger, the decision that I still do not understand after one week of seeing him. I'll never understand it. That's okay. I don't have to. Indianapolis plus five and a half at the New England Patriots. Total set at 39. This number came down from six. 
I'm kind of interested, despite the fact that I hate the Colts right now. Six points is a lot, especially with such a low total of 39, something we've talked about on the podcast a lot. You get under 42.5, road dog, usually a good spot. Colts at plus 5.5. They may be able to keep this frisky. I'm not sure that I want to bet against the Patriots right now, though. What do you think? Yeah, I'm very torn here because – I think there is a lot to be said about the fact that Mac Jones did not play good. Like, they won that game primarily because Wilson literally looked like dog shit. Like, it was had nothing to do with the Patriots or the Patriots game plan or or that you know Mac. No, that's not what what it had to do with was the fact that Zach Wilson played so poorly. A lot of it. Uh, Billy B is good against rookies. Blah 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 blah. yeah, I'm kind of with you here. I'm leaning. I, I think the Colts have played really shitty on the road. But at the same time, yeah, I'm torn. I haven't decided what I want to do with this game. Head tells me Patriots. Heart tells me Colts. I don't know. Uh, number right now, 52% of the bets, 72% of the money is on the Colts. Money also on the under in this game. I'm kind of with them. I'm kind of with the – I think the Patriots win like 20-17, to 17, something like that. Hit the under, yeah. hit the Colts. I think that that makes – a lot of sense for a way to play this. All right, last game of the morning slate. The Las Vegas Raiders minus two at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Total set at 48. What the fuck is going on with the Las Vegas Raiders? You put up zero points at the New Orleans Saints a week after looking amazing against the Houston Texans. I understand the Houston Texans defense at this point is like a semi-pro team. But seriously, zero fucking points? Derek Carr's average depth of target, you know what it was against the Saints? 0.8 yards. <laughs> That is the most insane stat I've ever seen in my life. I have no idea. Do you have any idea what the hell happened in that game? Um, I do know one thing. I know that the Raiders have found themselves onto my no bet list until next season. Like, I'm done. I do not care. That game was disgusting. Um, Loved it for those of us that were on the Saints. Made a lot of money off that game because I have not bought into the Raiders. But you got shut out. Jacobs was a ghost. Like you have been able to somewhat get something going. He carried the ball 10 times for 43 yards. Adams caught one pass, a single pass for three yards. I think that the Packers should just, they should just swap. Let's just swap back. Give, give the Packers Devontae back. You guys, it's ridiculous. I like Jacksonville here because I can't bet on the Raiders. I think that ETN continues to look great. Still not totally bought in on Trevor Lawrence here. Give me Jacks at home, but uh, if they lose this game, it will be also the last time I bet on them this season. What happened? Okay, so two things. One, the only explanation that I have for the Las Vegas Raiders is they did have a massive flu bug going around their entire locker room the week before the game. Now, is that an excuse? I don't know. But if everyone come in there, I've had the flu, you've had the flu. Those couple days after the flu, you don't feel good. So I can imagine that they were just sluggish, slow. They had to travel. I'll give them that. If that's the explanation for why they played so bad and they come out this week and they play better, okay, fine. It's a one-game one thing. But if that was your game plan coming in and you played that badly, completely inexcusable for you to put up zero points against the New Orleans Saints in that situation. Now, back to Jacksonville, a team that we thought after the first two weeks of the season, oh, boy, we were in for something really special. We were going to see Trevor Lawrence turn into the next sort of Andrew Luck. We thought that Doug Peterson was going to revert back to that 2017 form. What the fuck happened to this team? They are so bad. And Travis Etienne looks great. But Trevor Lawrence doesn't look good at all. Doug Peterson and coaching decisions don't look great at all. And that defense has completely regressed. 
I, I don't, they're like more of my no bet list than the Raiders are at this point. I don't like either of the teams. I don't want to, <laughs> I am over it. And I think that every week we've said this, even on the show, like, oh, this is make or break, make or break, make or break. Like some of these teams, I actually just think their season's done. Like I think, I think both of these teams do not have a season. Like I think they're done to be honest. So it's going to come down to, do we want to take them against whatever matchup they're in? Here I lean Jacksonville, but again, I don't trust Lawrence. Like I still kind of trust Carr a little bit more despite whatever flu game proven to not not be an impressive flu game he was playing under. Yeah. Uh, again, not – I don't know. I don't even know if I trust this total. Like, yeah, I, I hate this game to be honest. All right, so totals at 48, 74% of the bets, 90% of the money is on the over in this game. I think one of the stats that's holding me back from betting it right, right now, I heard this morning, is the Raiders are fifth in EPA per play this season. But if you take out the game that they played against Houston, take them off the board, they are 16th in the NFL. So basically they had a perfect game against Houston. Otherwise, they are definitely a middle-of-the-pack team offensively. Uh, I'm willing to ride. I think if this number gets to like 47, 48, I'm probably just staying away from this game entirely. Um, I just can't trust either team in this position. Yeah, can't do it. I don't like either of these teams. I've given them both too many choices. I mean, too many chances. So a little bit over it here. All right, let's get to the two afternoon slate games. First of all, the NFL, can you guys go fuck yourselves? Two games in the afternoon? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Just move one of the games to the later slate. This is unbelievable. What am I supposed to do with my afternoon? I have two TVs. You're, what, I'm just supposed to watch one game on each? I didn't pay for this shit. Come on, let's go. NFL week nine, yeah, we need to have at least out. three games in the afternoon. This is ridiculous. Okay, first game on the board, Seattle Seahawks plus two against the Arizona Cardinals. Total set at 50 and a half. I know what I'm supposed to do in this game, and it pains me, and I don't want to. Everyone is going to be on the Seattle Seahawks in this game at plus two, and for obvious reasons. They look awesome. Geno's played great. They're super exciting. Arizona, we still got the new Call of Duty coming out, and we know that what, what that means for Kyler. They didn't look particularly great last week. That defense is in shambles. I know that I have to bet the Cardinals in this situation, and I despise it. Yep, and I'm with you, and I've already done it, and I hate myself, and I will probably hate myself just as much on Sunday. Again, Seattle has continued to show that they are a very solid team. Their defense is playing better, blah, 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 blah. Gino is playing at a high – I just – there are regressions coming, and I know it. And I'm going to say it every single week until we get there. I know it is coming. I think that Cardinals have shown that they – I mean, look at Sunday. They had so many opportunities to cover. And and it's just that they haven't been able to put it fully together. I think that Hopkins just picked up where he left off. And I, I think he can yeah. beat against this team. And I, I, like, I like the Cardinals here. I have already bet them at two and a half. I, I think that this – I don't think it's their opportunity to get right because I don't think the season's going in a good direction regardless, but Seattle is flirting with a loss and I think it's got to be this week. Seattle, 83% of the bets for the public are on Seattle See? right now. So no shock, no shocker there. The mm. line's just going to keep coming down. I think at some point there will be a buyback from the Sharps on the Cardinals. I'm kind of hoping selfishly that it happens at one and not two. But I will be betting the Cardinals this week. And a lot of money is coming on, on the over. If you look at their first matchup earlier this season, it was a massive under. So the question you have to ask yourselves is this. Do you think that there's going to be a regression to their regression coming in this game? And you see a lot of over since they've seen each other? 
Or do you think that these two teams just match up well enough defensively that you're going to see an under again in this game? A lot of the money is coming in on the over. I would love to see an over from fantasy perspective. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going to root for right now, but I'm not going to bet it. All I know is I will be on the Cardinals in this game, unfortunately. Yeah, I hate it. I'm so upset about it, too. I'm, like, bummed out that I have to. No one wants to bet on the Arizona Cardinals. It's disgusting. All right. Uh, this was supposed to be the best game of the week. It is not. Rams plus 2.5 at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Total set at 42.5. I also know what I'm supposed to do in this game, and it's about the most disgusting thing that you could possibly do. That total is at 42 and a half. Everyone's going to smash the under. I'm going to have to bet the over. It's just what I have to do. And then in terms of the game, you know, maybe the Rams plus eight and a half is a teaser piece. Tampa Bay attracting a lot of money right now. 50% of the bet, 73% of the money is on Tampa Bay. I kind of lean that way as well. But the Rams, you know, they had the number of Tampa Bay last year, two wins. So uh, not 100% sure. Got to do a little bit more research on this one. Yeah, I think this is two bad teams that were expected to be better fighting against each other. And I I, I think Tampa wins this game. I've already taken them minus three. I think that that's probably the move I'll stick with. I just think this is a complete waste overall of a contest. So we'll see how it goes. But both of these teams are huge disappointments. And uh, last week, what did we say on the show? Like, I think that that was the Rams opportunity to get their season right. And it. They didn't quite do that, so I can't buy in. All right, let's move over to Sunday Night Football. Tennessee Titans plus 12.5 at the Kansas City Chiefs total set at 46. What is your opinion on this game? Uh, I actually really like the over here, which is probably sounds psychotic. Uh, it depends what I'm going to take it at. I don't know. It just seems so low to me. That was my first read on it. I think that Tennessee is not great. I think that Derrick Henry looked like he was in better form than he's been in. So I think that they he can still compete. Kansas City still wins this, this matchup. But could this be the underdog upset of the week? I, you might be able to get me to buy in on it. Like, depending on what it looks like, like, maybe I maybe I take the Tennessee money line it, uh, if I get a nice number on it. But I think that Kansas City has, you know, coming off a of bye week, I think they're averaging just over 34 points per game, uh, like on their independently. That's all you need. So I like the over here. I think Tennessee is pulling it together. I think Bray Bull is a good coach. So I definitely like the over as far as the spread. I'm not sure where I'm leaning. Um, so I, I'm on the under, I'm on the over as well for sure because of what Kansas City does after the bye week. And I think the over team total is probably a great bet to make as well. I think that 12 and a half is probably too much. Like I, I think this could be a 10 point game for sure. Kansas City's defense isn't elite. Yeah. Let's see what, let's see what Ryan Tannehill's situation is. I think that the total might be so low because maybe they're worried that Tannehill will not be able to come back. And we saw how Malik Willis looked last week. That yeah. would be my yeah. only concern. So I think the best way to play this, honestly, if I were going to do it right now without knowing the Ryan Tannehill situation would be the over team total on Kansas City, anything under 30, I think, is probably a really, really solid bet in this position. But in general, I do like the total over. Anything up to 48, I think, is probably fair. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, last game, a decent game, honestly. If, I would not be surprised if this is, ends up being a decent game. And just like last week, we thought that the Green Bay Packers were going to get it blown out by the Bills. Guess what? Second half, they let up a little bit. Plus 12 and a half could definitely be in play as a backdoor cover for the Tennessee Titans. 
in this position. All right, Monday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens minus three at the New Orleans Saints, total set at 48. Lot of action on the under in this game, under 48. I tend to agree with them in that spot. In terms of the line, I don't know. I really want to bet the Ravens in this spot. I think it's a good spot. I think they can come into New Orleans and absolutely destroy, but I'm a little scared to get really in front of the Saints on Monday Night Football in the Superdome because it's going to be an absolutely electric atmosphere. Honestly, I might just keep betting on the Saints. Every time I do it, every week I do it, it works out for me. I like it here. I think Baltimore coming off this win versus Tampa Bay, who I don't think is a good football team, is not impressive to me. I think that Baltimore has lost to the New York Giants, has lost to other several not good football teams right now. So uh, Ravens aren't quite healthy, and the Saints are – it's probably going to come down to what Dalton does in primetime. We know he sucks in primetime. That's probably my biggest concern. I think that Kamara looked so good last week, and if they're able to keep it going with him, and Baltimore's Rundy, quite frankly, has not been great. So I don't. I think I like the plus three that I got the Saints at. We'll see what this game kind of feels like a, a little bit of an under game here too. So. They're not really giving us great games in prime time this season. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, given the, the entire slate, I'm actually happy with Raven Saints. That's like a decent game. That's fine. And at least right. I know that that on, on television, that crowd is going to be really super excited. I, I'm okay with it. It's got to be better than anything is better than that Thursday night, Indianapolis, whatever the hell team they were playing, uh, the Broncos. That was the worst game of all time on prime time. So, uh, Raven Saints, I cannot be too mad about. All right, that does it for Gambling with Gold. NFL Week 9 betting preview. We will be back on Friday with Joey with our best bets for NFL Week 9. Until then, remember to text us Fields Day to 310-564-7176 if you want to enter to win a Justin Fields signed Chicago Bears jersey. We are definitely going to have a couple of more giveaways this week, so stay tuned, stay locked in. I know that we also have an Everyday is Draft Day podcast tomorrow with Steph and Dan Turner, maybe a little small stocks balls later in the week. And remember to follow us at Champions Round for all of our social content. Uh, until next time, good luck with all your best this week, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.